is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So today is a conclusion. Okay, so if you've, been, if you've been joining us over recent weeks, you'll know we've been looking at the subject of well-being. And if you're here for the first time today, then well done, you've just got in on the very end of it. And today is a conclusion to our series. If you like what you hear, then all the other talks are available online, on the website, on YouTube. You can catch, on, catch up on that if you'd like to. We probably would have done this last week had it not been... Mother's Day, we did some things about that last Sunday. So this is the conclusion now to our well-being series. So uh, Nick, if you've got that graphic there, please, that you could stick up for me, please. Thank you. It was a few weeks ago that we started this, and although I'm saying it's a conclusion, and it is, I don't want you to think that we've said everything there is to say about these things, because we haven't. There's lots more we could say on related issues around, you know, anxiety or mental health or other areas of well-being. But, you know, we've said what we feel we wanted to say for the moment. And we started the series by looking at this graphic. And so in a moment, we're going we're gonna to think about this as we think about some of the areas that we've looked at over recent weeks. And I want to draw out one or two things, refer to some things, and then we'll think about next steps forward for, for us. So should we pray? And if that can stay up there, Nick, if that's all right, please, we'll come to that in just a moment. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that already today you've spoken to us so clearly. You've blessed us. You've encouraged us. And now as we spend these moments together, bringing this series to a conclusion, looking at your word together, we pray that you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear from heaven this morning. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when we kicked off the subject way back in January, January seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Don't you think? So back in January, we kicked off the subject, and I spoke about leading yourself. And uh, as a leader, probably the biggest challenge you ever have is leading yourself. I guess many of you could relate to that. I don't think it's just me. And um, we've looked at the life of Elijah. Throughout this series, we've looked at different examples from moments in Elijah's life. He was somebody who was a faithful servant of the Lord, but someone who got burnt out and exhausted along the way. And actually, burnout and exhaustion is still far too prevalent among Christian leaders, among Christians generally. You know, I, I know one pastor who, who has quipped that sometimes it seems that exhaustion is a badge of honour amongst leaders. How are you doing? Well, I'm okay, but I'm exhausted. Like, that really shouldn't be the case, should it? And probably most of us have been in that place at one moment or another. But we shouldn't be trying to be more exhausted than others. That's not what God has for us. It's not right. It's certainly not the life that Jesus intended for us to live. So I'm hoping that these things have helped you to lead yourself over recent weeks. 
So what have we learnt? We'll look at some scripture in a moment, but I wanted to start with the dials because we started with this a few weeks ago and we said, how are you doing on these areas? If you're taking notes this morning, I'd encourage you just to scribble out those six circles and put those headings on. And I wonder, how are you doing when we started this series back in January? And how are you doing now? As we've looked at some of these things, looked at physical well-being and relational well-being, emotional, financial, spiritual and vocational well-being. We've looked at these subjects, we've thought about them together, we've looked at some scripture. I wonder how are you doing now compared to how you were doing when we started? Have some of the dials gone up? Have some gone down, if that's the reality? They stayed sort of static? I'm hoping that in at least one or two areas for you, there's been some growth. There's been dial going up. There may have been some going down in other ones, I don't know. But I'm hoping that maybe in at least a couple of areas that God has spoken to you and encouraged you, challenged you maybe, on these subjects. And the dial's gone up. If you were to measure how you're doing now on the sort of rev counter of type dials that we've got there. I wonder, are you doing better than you were a few weeks ago? Where are the areas that are still a challenge for you? Where maybe are you still struggling? In her preach, Caroline drew out the idea that actually all these dials are interconnected. And it's hardest to sort of focus on one without being aware of the others. And that's true. Paul, I think you said much the same in your preach as well. As you know, how you're doing in one area can, can affect the others. That's true, isn't it, for us? How you're doing physically will affect your emotional life. If you're low emotionally, you'll probably find it harder to build strong relationships. But also, as you invest in one area, you may find that other areas go up as well. As you sort of work on one part of your life, you think, oh, actually, I'm feeling better in some other areas too. You know, we're whole persons, aren't we? God has designed us to have different elements, but we're, we're one. We're, we're a whole person. And just in the same way your physical body has different parts that are connected and on a good day work together, the same is true in these parts of life as well. They're connected and work together. So I wonder, are you having some honest conversations with people about how you're doing? With some trusted friends? It's a, a question we asked earlier in this series. Have you got somebody where you can be honest about some of this stuff? How is life going for you right now? It might be going great, and in that case, hallelujah, we want to celebrate that and thank God for that blessing on you. But it might be in at least one or more of these areas that actually it's a bit of a struggle right now. Have you got a couple of trusted friends where you can be honest and go, you know what, it's, it's a bit tough in this area right now. Is anybody asking you that question? And are you asking anybody else? Because it's a two-way street, isn't it? I think it's so important. I think what I've noticed is that so often we have a tendency to keep things to ourselves for far too long. 
And then finally, we sort of hit a wall, hit burnout or exhaustion, or we collapse, be it physically or metaphorically. And actually, by that point, it's not that it's too late to have help, but it would have been a whole load easier if way back here, earlier on in the journey, you were able to say to somebody, I'm struggling a bit right now. I could do with a bit of help and support in whatever area it might be. So often we leave it and say, oh, bang, crisis moment. But actually, we'd have been better off being honest and vulnerable and open earlier on. Who's asking you those questions? Who are you asking those questions of? So, we've talked a lot about Elijah, haven't we? Throughout the series, that can go down down there. Thanks ever so much. Elijah has been our focal point of Scripture. And uh, much of our discussion around well-being has been around him and his story. But I said in my week, uh, talking about relational well-being, that part of God's solution for Elijah was human relationship in the shape of Elisha. Part of God's solution for Elijah was Elisha. So I thought as we bring this series to a conclusion, it might be good to spend a few moments thinking about Elisha. There's a few things that he could teach us. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you could turn please to the book of 2 Kings. And we're going to read a few verses together. We're in chapter... Well, I was going to go straight to chapter 2, but I think I'll just jump into 1 Kings first. This is 1 Kings 19. This is the call of Elisha. Let's, let's start there. 1 Kings 19. It says this, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was playing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. Then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him, went, went back and took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He, he burnt the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servants. That's where it starts for Elisha. Elisha was somebody who was happy to follow. He became Elijah's servant. He was happy to follow him, to, to be obedient, happy to serve Elijah. Now, I don't want to spend too long on this parallel, but I know that this church is full of people who gladly serve, who gladly give themselves to, to serve God, yes, and to serve others. I know many of you give hours of your time in serving and loving others around you, leading different ministry areas, leading us in worship or, or teaching or kids or youth or so on, and just a whole stack of different things. I know many of you do that. And for those of you that are, thank you. Thank you for giving your time and energy to serve God and to, and to serve each of us. If that's you, well done for serving. It's a good place to be, actually. Thank you for giving yourself. 
If you haven't found your place to serve yet, hey, come and chat to me afterwards. I'd love to help you with that conversation. But do you notice that very often it's out of seemingly unnoticed serving roles that God calls people for more prominent roles? It's going to be true in the life of Elisha. He may not know it yet, but it's coming around the corner for him. If you know the story, that will make sense. We'll get to it in a moment. You know, he went from just serving Elijah, being his servant, to effectively replacing him. At a later date, when God called Elijah home. Same was true for David, wasn't it? Think about King David. In Scripture, you know, amazing king of Israel, mighty man of God, writer of many of the Psalms that we've been reading this morning. Before he was King David, he was just David. We come across him in, in 1 Samuel 17 where we get the account of him fighting the Philistine giant named Goliath. Are you familiar with the story? You know, David goes out and fights this great giant of a man, Goliath. But, you know, he didn't get up one day and go, well, today is giant fighting day. I'm going to uh, take my stones and go fight a giant. It's not how it happened for him. For him, he was just being obedient. Scripture tells us he was there just delivering some cheeses to his brothers in the army. That was his task for the day, cheese delivery boy. That's what he had on the side of his van. David's cheeses. You know, he was there front line delivering food to his brothers. Just serving. Just being obedient to his father who'd asked him to take the food. But listen, David's obedience led to David's opportunity. There's no discussion about him joining the army or fighting the enemy champion. He's just being obedient, but he finds himself in a position where his obedience leads to his opportunity, and God raises him up. Interesting, isn't it? His dad says to him, go take the food to your brothers. You don't find David going, hey, I'm anointed for kingship, you know. I don't do cheese delivery runs anymore. No, no, he's obedient. He just goes. He, he serves, and out of his serving comes his opportunity. If you know the story, he, he fights Goliath. And Israel wins that battle. And it's a major moment in the life of, of David's run-up to kingship. But it comes out of just serving, being obedient. Same for Elisha. His opportunity comes out of his obedience just in serving. And guess what? Friends, the same is true for you. The same is true for you. Your obedience will lead to your opportunity in God. Just be faithful to what he's called you to do. Let him worry about the rest. So I wonder this morning, where do you need to be faithful? Where do you need to be obedient? Where do you just need to do what the Lord has asked you to do? told my story before how you know my first opportunity to preach was it came because I just you know was uh, doing some music for something and led some worship at a few meetings and 
this local Baptist pastor spotted me and said, oh, I want you to come preach in my church. And after a few months of arguing with him, realising that he was going to win and not me, I finally gave in and went, well, okay. But I didn't come because that's what I was looking for or wanted. It came because God gave me an opportunity out of being obedient. I wonder what's coming your way. What's coming your way? So to start with, Elisha is a servant. He's, he's, he's obedient. But then things move on and he becomes family. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. This is when Elijah is taken up to heaven. And scripture tells us this. As they were walking together, this is Elijah and Elisha. So they're walking along and talking together. Suddenly, a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garments garment, and tore it in two. If Sarah's still in here, no, I think she's gone outward to, to Christ. She would remember this story. In his speech at our wedding, which is 20 years ago this year. I know I don't look old enough before you say it. We had to say it for you. So at our wedding, Sarah's dad cleverly described in his speech having a friend who had become a son and the daughter who'd become a friend. It was a lovely, very moving speech. And obviously it stuck with me because I remember it 20 years later. Obviously he was talking about me and Sarah, about us and our journey with him and with Sarah's mum. I'd been part of uh, my now father-in-law's church for a number of years and we got to know one another. But on that day, coming up to 20 years ago this year, I wasn't just a friend anymore, but I was becoming a son. And Anthony went on to describe how Sarah had always been his daughter, and indeed still is, but as she'd grown up, there'd become a friendship that was, you know, that had been developed. It wasn't just that he was a daughter because that was her place in the family, but she was a daughter and she was a friend. I was reminded of it, that story, as I read the account of Elisha again this week. Elisha started off as a servant. His role was to follow Elijah, to be his servant, to carry his bags, make sure he was okay. But that relationship clearly developed over time. And when Elijah is taken up to heaven, Elisha cries out, not my master, my master, but rather... My father, my father. Elisha has given himself to serving Elijah. But in so doing, the relationship has grown and developed into something much deeper than just master and servant. The field was now family. More than friendship even. This is a deep family relationship. God's provision for Elijah in his hour of need was Elisha. So I wonder, do you have those close friendships in your life? 
with a, such a deep level of trust and relationship. It's something more than just a friend, but actually it's a deep friendship, like a family relationship. Now, the Bible uses family language to describe the church, doesn't it? Brothers and sisters, fathers. It's all language of family. We're not just meant to be friends. God calls us into family, into his family. He uses the language of family to describe himself as a father. Verse we had last week from Psalm 69 describes the Lord as a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. Goes on saying, God sets the lonely in families. God is a father. He is your father. He calls you into his family. You know what? This should revolutionize your life. It really should. You are in a new family, and the family God calls us into is the church. Now, I well remember in my 20s the experience of getting to know different families in the church. Now, I moved several times in my 20s. I moved for some church planting training and church leadership training. So I moved around the country to some new cities I didn't know, didn't know people there. But in each of these places, God gave me family. I was just there on my own, but God gave me families. I found a home in God's family, the church, yes. But more than that, wasn't just there with some nice meetings and a welcoming team on the door. More than that, God gave me some families to be part of. That was my experience as a, as a single 20-something. So the challenge I want to give to each of us this morning is for uh, is very similar. Are we opening our homes to those around us? Families, are you opening up your home? Singles, are you plugging in or are you indeed opening your home to others? It can just as easily be singles opening their homes as it can be families. It's a, it's a mindset attitude. It's not to do with how many people are in the room. It's a mindset. It's like, are you opening up your home and your life to those around you? I can think of some single people who have done this brilliantly. Far better than some families, it has to be said, actually. Our experience of fostering now is opening up our home to some very small people that many of you would have seen and got to know. To give them a place of safety and a a family to, to grow and develop in over a, a period of time. Yes, it's challenging and demanding, but so rewarding. We know that's God's call on us. I wonder what is God's call on you? Who is God asking you to open up your home to, to give yourself to, to, to bring into to family? I know some of you are opening up your homes to those from Ukraine, which is wonderful. Giving family, giving relationship. I wonder just before I leave this point and move on, which I need to do, you know, Elisha calls his master, my father, my father. I wonder, how's your relationship with God? Is it more like master or father? Where would it land for you? Would you say, yes, father? Do you feel him as a heavenly father rather than just some remote deity? 
Jesus puts it like this in John 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. It's a language of relationship. Once again, that's what God wants for you, dear friends, this morning. And the other thing we learn about Elisha here is he asks with faith. So 2 Kings again, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Pretty uh, blunt request, isn't it? So what do you want then? You know, before the Lord takes me, I want double portion of what you've got. Straight in there. Elisha asked with faith. He wants a double portion of the anointing, the blessing that Elijah had. He was hungry for what Elijah had, but wanted more. Maybe he was more aware of his weaknesses and he knew that he needed a greater measure of the Lord. I don't know. But do you know, do you notice he asked with faith? I want, to, I want this. This is what I'm asking for. In the culture of the time, the oldest son would expect to receive a double portion of inheritance. But Elisha's not asking for land or things. He's asking for something in God, a double portion of the blessing and anointing that rested on Elijah. Elijah makes it clear it's not his gift to give that, but says, well, if you see me taken, then yeah, God will do that for you. It's in the subsequent verses. Maybe Elisha realised that he was going to succeed Elijah and he knew that God would have to do something remarkable in him for him to be able to, to walk into what the Lord had for him. Well, that's good because you know what? God loves to do the remarkable. He loves to do the miraculous. He loves to do the unexpected. You know what? We should come to God the same way. God loves to answer prayers of faith. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, ask with faith and expectation. Just like Jesus said, John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus was encouraging his disciples to ask with faith. Whoever believes, said Jesus. This is not, well, Lord, do you think maybe, could you perhaps think about filling me with your spirit, possibly? If you feel like it, if it's a good day. Jesus said, come with faith. Elisha asked with faith. This is, Lord, fill me. I need more of you. I want a double portion, a double blessing. Because I need more of you in my life. Friends, is it just me? Am I the only one who needs that much more of God? Or is that you as well? I strongly suspect it's all of us. 
we all need more of God in our lives. And we've talked, haven't we, already about the worship and encounter morning that the ladies had yesterday. I'm thrilled they did and wonderful to hear stories and testimony of God speaking to people. I think such a fantastic time of worship this morning was fueled by some fire from yesterday. It's wonderful. I wasn't there, obviously, because I was eating bacon sandwiches. But I, I, I've seen Sarah's notes. I know what she talked about. And she was talking about being hungry for more of God's. About how the Lord satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Psalm 107, if you want a reference. You coming to God with faith and expectation, asking him to fill you afresh, to give you a double portion, is a prayer that God loves to answer. Because in answering it, it does something in your life and it will do something in those around you. God wants you to impact those around you, be it those you work with in your workplace, be it those you live amongst in your streets, be it those in your family. But he knows you can't do it on your own, so he wants to give you the power you need to do it. It is a prayer that God loves to answer. If we go out on the streets next Sunday for Love Derby, just out of a sense of obedience, we'll have missed it. Yes, we are called to be obedient. But actually, God wants to fill us with his power to then go out. Not to go out in our own strength or initiative or enthusiasm, but rather to go out with the strength and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what will make a difference. And that's what will make a difference in the lives of your family, your friends, your work colleagues, people in your world that God has given you to show his, demonstrate his love to. We're done in time this morning. And, you know, as I said earlier, this is a subject series we could stay for many weeks in. There's some other things that we feel God's speaking to us about at the moment. We're going to start looking at after Easter. But I want to encourage you, in this whole area of well-being, just every few months, just take a moment, just think about how you're doing. Maybe scribble the dials out. How am I doing in these areas? Talk to a trusted friend about it. Pray over it. Ask God to meet your needs. If your need is financial or relational, if it's physical or spiritual, emotional or vocational, ask God to break in and to meet your needs. Pray with one another. Keep coming back to it. And listen, we would love to hear stories of God answering those prayers. Wasn't it so encouraging to hear stories this morning of what God did yesterday? It would be encouraging to hear stories of, hey, I, 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 found, I think I was low on that dial. But you know what? God broke in. And I prayed with my friend and I saw an answer. I want to hear some stories like that, don't you? Let's stand together and we're going to pray as we close.
Heavenly Father, thank you that you love to answer prayers prayed with faith. And Lord, I want to pray this morning for any who might go, well, I'm not even sure I've got the faith to pray that prayer. I pray that you would meet them in their moment of need. And God, I pray that coming weeks and months we'd, be, we'd, have, we'd hear stories of you breaking into many lives, meeting needs and answering prayers. Thank you that you are a God who loves to meet needs and loves to answer prayers. And Father, we pray that we would see it more and more in our community. And Lord, we'd see it more and more in communities around us with people that don't yet know you, that are on a journey discovering you and your love for them. Lord, I pray for any who are on that journey this morning, they would know that they are loved by God in heaven, created for a plan and a purpose. And God, we're his story after story of you breaking in. So God, we say this morning we need a double portion. We need that anointing like Elisha asked for. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Give us all that we need to love and to serve you. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for thank you, being with us this morning. Please don't rush off. Refreshments are served. So head out of the double doors there to your left, the room called The Box. Refreshments are served in there. Please do stay and join us for that. If you've got kids in the Frog Club or Crash, please don't leave them there. Please go and get them. Return your numbered card for said child. Uh, bring them back up and uh, we can enjoy tea and coffee together. Hi, my name is Steve. I'm from Huddersfield and it's a beautiful day here in West Yorkshire. But on Sunday the 17th of April this year, on Easter Day, I'm going to be coming to Derby uh, to be at Jubilee Church Derby at their Easter Day celebration at 10 o'clock in the morning in the Quad. And I want to invite you to come along. I was not a Christian for the first half of my life. I, I didn't think Christianity was true at all. But I was invited to find out more about the Christian faith. And what I discovered was that it's true, that there is a God, that Jesus Christ did come and walked on this earth. And I found that the message of Easter contained great hope, hope for me and hope for the whole world. The world, especially at this time, needs hope. I need hope, you need hope. I want to encourage you, exhort you to come along on Sunday the 17th of April and hear the Easter message of hope. If you have kids, there'll be special meetings, special things for them to do, and indeed the whole family will receive a warm welcome. So come along and bring others with you. 10 o'clock, Sunday, 17th of April, at the Quad in Derby, or you can join us online. See you there.
listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.